three verses this morning, only three, from the ninth chapter of John's Gospel, and um, you can read it on PowerPoint or your iPhone or iPad or Bible, you know, your hard copy Bible there. And uh, this is what John writes. It's about Jesus Christ. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. When you're involved in ministry, one of the realities of life that deeply touches your own life is the suffering of people. And when I'm talking about that, when I say that, I'm not talking about an occasional time of suffering, but I'm, I'm talking about suffering that just does not seem to go away. It's part of their life, maybe it's part of their, of their whole life. An illness that leaves uh, little room for hope that health will be restored, a marriage where there's more, more pain than joy, a son or daughter who uh, walks away from God and is making lifestyle choices that you know are going to be destructive, or the grief that comes with a, with a death of a parent when that parent is far too young to die, or the death of a husband or wife or child and the, the pain that you live with every day because of that loss in your life. There, there's hardly a Sunday that goes by that I don't have a conversation with someone who's going through heartache because of, of something that's happened to tear their world apart. I, I had one of those conversations last Sunday after worship out in the hallway with somebody who's going through that right now. Today, you might be there. You might say, Steve, I'm, I'm facing the hardest time that I've, I've ever had in my life, and honestly, Steve, I do not see any way out of it. It's overwhelming me. Every time I, I come face to face with another person's suffering, everything in me wants to fix it. You relate to that? You've Ever been there? You just want to fix it. You, you, you want to make it right so they don't have to endure any, any more pain, any more disappointment, any more heartache. Uh, but so often you can't. More often than not, you can't. And it tears at your heart. So many times as a child, I cried out to God to bring healing to my, to my own mom. But as the years passed, the, the, the disease of arthritis uh, progressively twisted and destroyed the bones in her body so that my mother literally went from somebody who was my height to the day she died at the age of 58, she came up to here on me. She's somebody who, who could walk like anybody else at one point in her life, but went from walking normally to walking very slowly and painfully until finally she needed to have a wheelchair. And then in the last several years of her life, even sitting became too painful for her. And, and then she reached that point where even laying in a bed was just utterly 
I mean, indescribably painful, and no medicine could fix it. Every downward turn, and I, I mean, this goes all the way back to when I was in grade school. I prayed that her suffering would not grow worse, but it did. It always did. So at the young age of 58, the disease that invaded her body as a child really just finally uh, did so much destruction to her body that her heart finally gave out and she, and she died. As a child, seeing my, my mom suffer, I, I asked the same questions that others have asked who face suffering in their own life or the life of somebody else. Uh, and, and really, you, you can't help but, but ask those questions. The biggest question I asked and the question I most needed the answer to is the question that everyone asks when they're faced with suffering. It's a, it's a question that Becky and I asked two years ago when our 35-year-old son Greg died unexpectedly. And, and, and we haven't asked that question just once. And I mean, really, we've, we've asked it many times as we've we face life now without our son who means everything to us. And it's funny, as many times as we've answered that question for others, we were asking it ourselves, and, and, and we needed the answer as much as anybody else ever needed it. It's the why question. Why the tragedies and hardships and suffering and pain that that's all around us every day. We've, we've all asked that question, haven't we? You know, why did it happen to her? Why did it happen to him? Why did it happen to me? We asked that question several weeks ago in our own city when a 33-year-old wife and mother of three children was murdered in a, in a, in a senseless, random shooting. <laughs> Big why question. The problem of pain. If, if, if God is so good, why does he allow it? And if, and if God is so powerful, why doesn't God stop it? That's the question that gets asked every day as, as people all over the world um, deal with suffering. It's a question we've all asked. You might be asking that question yourself right now today. It's a question the disciples asked Jesus in the three verses that I, that I read a minute ago. They, they, they walked by this man who, who had been blind from birth, and they asked Jesus, why is this man having to suffer like this? And Jesus gives them the answer. I, I, I love this. Here's the, here's the king of the universe. And and, and he answers for them and, and, and for us, I think, one of, the, one of the biggest, most important questions that we ask in, in life, the, the why question, you know, the problem of pain, why? I, I read this, and I got to tell you, I was so impressed. In only one verse, he gives the answer. He he gets to the crux of the matter. He, he peels back the later, layers and, and, and gets to the very core of the issue. And he does it in one sentence, just one sentence. He corrects the disciples' two false views of suffering, both 
both premised on the question they asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? There, there, there's two false views of suffering that, that are embedded in the question they asked, and, 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 and Jesus takes them away because he, he said to, to the disciples, neither this man nor his parents sinned. That's what we're going to see first. And then he gives the right view of suffering when he said to them, but this happened, he said, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now, i got to tell you, everybody, I have uh, been looking forward to preaching this sermon all week, but it's what Jesus said about the right view of suffering that really fires me up. I mean, to know that there's purpose in suffering, to know that, that God, by His grace and His power, can, can do amazing things in each one of our lives and through our lives as we're in the midst of suffering. I mean, that's what fires me up. And knowing that understanding this can make all the difference in what you do with that suffering when it comes into your life, whether whether you, you take, that, take that suffering as an opportunity for, for God to, to maximize what God can do in you or you miss that opportunity. That's, that's what really gives me passion this morning as I share this with you. So, first of all, just to help you follow where we're going, we have two false views of suffering and, and, and then we have the right view. So let's, let's begin with the false views. Uh, the, the disciples reflect them when they ask this question, when they said, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. It's a, it's a bit subtle, but they're there, all right? And I believe you agree with me as I, as I talk this through. There, 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 there's two false views in what they asked Jesus. One is, one is what I'll call the anger track. The other is what we could call the guilt track. These are, are two false understandings of, of suffering, and, and, and they're often played out on how people handle suffering, how they respond to suffering in their, in their own lives, and which, which is the reason that it, it is so important that you and I understand that they're not based on truth because I got to tell you, everybody, both of them are not tracks that you want to go down. Okay? First of all, the anger track. Now, the anger track goes this way Was it his parents who did this to him? The, the anger track goes like this. If I'm hurting, if I'm suffering, someone or something out there is to blame. It's, it's where you say there's, there's got to be some, some kind of a scapegoat. There's, there's somebody or something that I, want, I, I have a right to be angry with about this. It's always harmful to go down that track. It, it'll harm you and it'll harm everybody whose life you touch, whose life you influence. Anger, anger is always dangerous, and it, and it becomes most dangerous, most harmful when you blame God, where, where, where you say, you know, God, what, why are you doing this to me, God? God? God, I don't deserve this. You don't have a right to do this. That kind of conversation with God, anger at God. 
And I got to tell you, through all my years of ministry, I have, I have seen that along with the second track we're going to look at as, as, as probably the most destructive thing that could happen to any person to go down that track. And then there's the guilt track. Disciples are, are thinking to themselves, maybe, maybe this man was born blind because he sinned. It's like they're thinking, did, did, did God somehow look into the future and foresee that this man was going to sin? And so, you know, even before he was born, God determined that this guy was going to be born blind and as a punishment because God knew he was going to sin. You see, it, it, it's saying this man's in a mess because it was his fault. That's the guilt track. Um, that track doesn't look outside. That track looks inside. It's, it's a track where, where you look at somebody who's suffering and you say about that person, you say, if he or she is suffering, then it must be their fault. They must be doing something that's wrong. There, there must be some sin in their life. Or if it's happening to you and you're on that guilt trick, you, you'll say to yourself, if if I'm suffering, it must be my fault. I, I must be a bad person. I, I must be an awful person. Otherwise, my life would be going better. My mom and dad dealt with this far more and for way too long than I would even care to think about. They had fellow believers, other Christians in their life who, who, who actually said to them, you know, there, there's either one of two reasons that, that Audrey, my mom's name, is suffering like she's suffering. Either it's because there's sin in her life. They would say that to her face to face. They'd say, there must be some sin in your life. You must be doing something wrong. Or they would say to my mom and dad, if you just had more faith, then Audrey would be healed. Any guesses on what that did to them? It added more pain to their pain. And, and what's really unfortunate, and I'll be honest with you, about drives me crazy. I mean, if you want to ask me one of my pet peeves, something that ticks me off, it's when, when, whenever I hear that one Christian says something like that to another Christian who's suffering. And, you, you know, last Sunday in the conversation I had with that person out in the hallway, I found out that there are Christians who are actually saying that to her. <laughs> you know, I just want to find them. <laughs> you know. Fortunately, Jesus corrects both of those. He corrects the idea that if I'm suffering, then somebody else is at fault and I've got a right to be angry. And the idea that says if, if something is bad, bad is happening to me, then I must feel guilty. I should feel really bad about myself. Jesus, Jesus said neither one is true. Nobody should live with either one. Is it his fault or is it, is it someone else's fault? Jesus said neither, neither, neither. The Bible teaches this and it's absolutely critical to know and you're going to want to write this down, okay? Uh, I'm going to give it to you a second time, but I would, it's really important. It's a very important biblical principle. All suffering comes from sin in general, but never from sin in particular. That's a really important statement, everybody. 
Uh, on the one hand, the Bible says that the reason they're suffering in the world is because of the fall of the human race into sin. In, in Genesis 3, we're told that, that God had originally created mankind to be under him, but over, over creation, over, over nature. And it, it, think of it this way. It, it's like, it's like we were, we were, we're the middle cog, okay? If you have a middle cog that's perfectly placed in a beautiful clock, and that middle cog decides that it wants to come up higher in that clock, then it's really supposed to be positioned. You know what happens to that clock? It's going to be awful crunching and grinding and groaning, and that clock will never work well again. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve decided to go their own way and, and when humankind decided to be, to be their own master, God said, now, now nature's not going to work properly from this point on. It, it, it's going to be subject to disease and, and decay and death and to natural disasters. And, and, and God said, because you've all decided to center on yourself and live self-centered lives, you're going to be constantly in conflict with each other. That's why some people are killed by a bullet fired at them. So clearly human evil. And this is why there are things like tornadoes and floods and cancer, which are clearly natural evils. All of this was never God's design. It was never God's plan. It's, it, it's not the way God designed the world to be. It's all a result of sin in general, the fall of the human race. But on the other hand, the Bible says an individual incident of suffering in, in your life or in my life is, is not proportional to or caused by any kind of a sin in particular. One of the most interesting places where you see this in the Bible, you see the balance is in the book of Job, the Old Testament. You know the story, Job receives all kinds of suffering in his life. And, and at first he takes the anger track and, and, he's, and he actually said, God, I'm angry at you. I've, I, I've lived a good life, God. There, there's no reason that I should have to go through this kind of suffering. I don't know if you know about Job's friends, but they took the guilt track. And they said to Job, well, Job, God wouldn't be punishing you if you hadn't done something wrong. I mean, look at us, Job. We, we have our health. We've got our, our, our money. We have our families. And, and, and we're living righteously, Job. So you must be sinning because you've had all that taken away from you. When God shows up in, at the end, and he does show up, <laughs> he slams the anger track and he slams the guilt track. He corrects both Job and his friends. He, he shows Job he's wrong to, uh, to assume that he's somehow Im immune from all, all the harm that this world can do to people that, you know, where, where he might think to himself that he, that he lives in some kind of a bubble and that God should protect him uniquely from everybody else. And he shows Job's friends that they're wrong to assume that life's good for them because they're good. And life's bad for Job because Job is bad. 
So you see, the thing to know, everybody, and, and really this is the bottom line, this is getting to the crux of the matter. If there's suffering in your life, it's not because God's punishing you. We know this because all of our punishment was taken by Jesus Christ and, you know, all of it. And, and, and God would, ne would never take two payments for one debt. God's not going to punish Jesus for your sin and then, and then turn around and punish you for your sin. So keep this key statement in mind, all right? Again, you, you want to write it down because it's, use it for yourself or somebody in the future. All suffering all suffering comes from sin in general, but never from sin in particular, okay? By the way, it's, it's all clear again, okay? I can see you, and I can see my notes. It's really nice. It, it helps a lot. All right, now, so I, I don't want us to miss this. Do you see the balance, everybody, Okay? If you forget what, what that statement is saying, if you forget that, okay? If you forget that suffering is caused by sin in general, then self-pity and anger will kill you. The anger track's going to eat you up. But, but if, on the other hand, you forget that, that God does not punish us for our sin through suffering, but he punished Jesus for our sin, if you forget that, then the guilt track is going to eat you up. Okay? So important to understand. It's the balance. No anger, no guilt. Jesus Christ swept away these two false views by saying that neither one is true. And, and, and then Jesus turned around and, and he gave his disciples and he gives us today the, the right view of suffering. And this is where I just, man, I've just been waiting for this, all right? Jesus said in one statement, in one statement, he said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. So here's the view of suffering that Jesus gives us. First of all, suffering, he tells us, is governed by God's will. It's governed by God's will. Look at the, look at the words in, in that phrase. Uh, he, he said, so that, so that. This happened, he said, so that. Um, here's, here's what he's saying, everybody. And, and this is huge, all right? He's saying that there's always divine intent. Suffering is never for nothing. Those little two words, so that, mean that suffering is never senseless. Never. And, and, and get, this is so important. Just, just let it sink in because it's powerful. It, it, just, it gives a whole new perspective to suffering in our life. This is what, what's meant by a verse like Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans 8 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Verse 28 is a powerful statement. Paul said, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Notice what he said there. We know that in all things, all things, and that includes suffering. God works for the good. And, and, and by the way, good doesn't mean it's always going to turn out the way we'd like it to turn out. Good means what God can do in us and through us, through all things that happen, good and bad. So, pain and suffering were not God's design. 
And yet all pain and suffering is governed in your life by God's will. This, this means that God controls what's there. It means that, that God monitors it. It means that God channels it. it. It means that every one of us as followers of Christ can say, if, if, we're in, if we're going through a suffering in our life, we can say, well, I'm suffering right now, and God's mad about it. Not mad at me, but mad about my suffering. Because God never planned it for, us to, for life to be that way for us. God created life for us to live in a perfect world. And, and God's done something in history to deal with suffering, to, to eradicate it forever. And, and we can say that, and, and then we can say, yet I also know that God's will governs the pain that's in my life right now. And, and I, I can know that it's not for nothing. It's so that there's a purpose for it. There, there's an agenda that God has in my life, and it's a loving agenda. As painful as it is for Becky and me to lose Greg, and I cannot even describe it, and as much as we would want to take our son back in a minute, though every time I say that, I have to pause for a minute and say, yeah, Steve, but he's in heaven. <laughs> you know, that would be pretty selfish to bring him back. But I probably would. <laughs> uh, in fact, I know I would. The thing that Becky and I can know, as hard as this is, I mean, I can tell you this, we know that over the last two years, God has worked in us and God has worked through us in ways we could not have imagined. And we're confident that God's working in people's life through Greg's life, especially in the lives of people who knew our son and knew his faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the way to view suffering. Though God never wanted suffering, though it wasn't in God's original design, yet it's true, God governs everything, and therefore suffering is never for nothing. Never for nothing. Suffering is always so that. Which brings us to the next statement. All suffering is there. This is almost from what Christ himself said, exact words. All suffering is there to display and further the redemptive work of God in our lives. Jesus said this. He said, but this happened to this man so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. So how does this happen for each one of us? How does it happen? It happens this way. When you're in the midst of suffering, you've got to be really intentional about it. And you've got to say to yourself, I want to learn from this. I want to learn from this. I want to become like Jesus Christ. I want to become more like Jesus Christ because of this and in this. Now, I, what I'd like to do is unwrap for you. Three key truths that you can build your life on when it comes to suffering. I, I know they're true. So, again, write this down. It's worth it. Or go back and listen to the sermon online this week. In fact, I had somebody say to me um, after last Sunday, he said, you know, I went back. I'd never done this before. I went back and listened to your sermon online. He said, man, 
I'm, I'm going to do that from now on. Because, <laughs> you know? man, you can hear something once, and then you hear it a second time, and you go, oh, yeah, I guess I missed that one. So number one, first thing here, suffering strengthens character. It just does. You know what character is, right? It's that collection of virtues that make us who we really are. It's our strength of resolve. It's our perseverance capacity. It's our level-headedness when everything around us is spinning. It's our security level. It's our maturity. It's, it's our values. It's our will to survive. It's our faith in Christ. Here's what James said about, it, about this, and I love it. He, 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 he writes in the first chapter, he said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Second truth. Suffering deepens our compassion. It just does. It deepens our compassion. <laughs> Show me someone who's tender and and humble, and compassionate toward people. Show me someone who's quick to empathize and, and quick to show mercy to people in need, and I'll bet money that they've walked through suffering in their own life. You know what, everyone? When we feel pain, regardless of where it comes from, when we feel pain, soul-wrenching pain, the kind of pain that, that makes our heads spin and our stomachs turn, you know, the, the, the kind of pain that stares us in the face all day long, keeps us awake at night, and, and if we're able to fall asleep, it wakes us up in the morning with a slap in the face. Now, when we face that kind of pain, we cannot help but agonize when we run into other people who are experiencing similar kinds of suffering in their life. We, we can't help it. Our hearts break for others. The Apostle Paul, who knew pain, probably as well as anybody, gives us this perspective. I love it in his letter to the Corinthians. He, and he wasn't joking when he said this. He said, praise be to, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Third truth. Suffering handled with grace strengthens others. I mean, it's true, isn't it? You see someone in the midst of suffering, and they only become stronger and deeper and more in love with God and more in love with people. Doesn't it strengthen you big time to be around somebody like that? Right? Doesn't it? Absolutely. Beck and I saw it the other night, and I don't know if you saw Rick and Kay Warren on CNN interviewed by Pierce Morgan. In fact, they're going to they're show it again tonight. You know, I, I would say don't miss that, that interview on CNN. I don't know, 8 o'clock. I don't know what time it's going to be on. But I don't know if you know, but Rick and Kay Warren lost their, their son through suicide. Boy, talk about <laughs> the strength of character. 
being inspired. You'll be inspired if you listen to them. Pierce Morgan said it was the most, it was the most inspiring interview he had ever done in his life. That says a lot. Again, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. I love it. Just love it. <laughs> He's going through this struggle. And, and he said, for, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then he said, if, if I'm to go on living in the body, this is going to mean fruitful labor for me. So it's like he thinks about that for a minute. And, and then he says, yeah, 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 what should I choose? He said, I don't know. I don't know, I'm torn between the two. I, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I mean, like, like, that's probably the understatement of all. He said, but, but I know it's necessary for you that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, I know that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on earth a little bit longer. <laughs> and then he said, I will continue with all of you. And why? for your progress and joy in the faith. I'd say that's the best possible perspective on life, wouldn't you? I don't know how it gets any better than that. I was talking with someone recently, because I've been thinking about this sermon for a while here. I was talking with someone recently about suffering, the suffering that comes into all of our lives. And if you're not there today, if you haven't experienced it yet, you, Life's not over for you. You will. Um, isn't that good news? <laughs> um, but I'll always remember what he said as he talked about losing his own mother who died from cancer at the young age of 54, and he was only 29 years old. It's exactly the right and the best way to see suffering in our lives. And he said this, and this, these are his exact words. I wrote them down. This is from a 29-year-old guy, okay? He said, I decided at that point that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to go into this for nothing. I'm going to allow God to do what God wants to do in my life. I'm not going to miss out on what God can do with my mom's death in me and through me. You know, I'm so thankful Jesus always, always got to the crux of the matter in every issue of life. And, and, and isn't it amazing how he did it with, with one statement in the ninth chapter of John's Gospel? Just one, one statement. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. You know what, everybody? I think that's one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. Most encouraging. And speaking of the crux of the matter, speaking of the crux of the matter, or, or, or even better, speaking of the cross of Jesus Christ, how about this? How, how about we end this sermon by standing together, and I would love you to read out loud with me this scripture that I'm going to bring up. Um, it's about the suffering of Jesus Christ for each one of us. So, yeah, stand with me, will you? And let's read this together, all right? In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists 
should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And then I love this. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Don't you love him? Ah, oh, absolutely. So now let's worship him with all of our heart, okay? Okay.